Yo, what's poppin' people? It's your boy Cass here once again for the Say Less Podcast. I want to thank you all for pulling up as always and downloading, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, YouTube.com, slash Kazim Stitcher. You know where to get this podcast from at this point. Each and every time I drop it, Monday through Friday, you know what it is. Today's episode's really fun. Uh, like we always do every Monday, we talk about the one thing that is bringing all of us together throughout this wild fucking crazy time and that is the last doubt da- last bleh, the last dance documentary with michael jordan on espn uh and today got a good friend of mine incredibly talented artist he goes by the name of marlon Kraft. he's from new york city and in, in, in addition to being an incredible mc you can catch his uh, new album, Funhouse and Mirror, on streaming platforms. You can see his freestyle, Funkmaster Flex. In addition to all that, he's a hooper as well. You know what I mean? So we have a, 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 a weird kinship when it comes to that, man. And, you know, just, just being around the city, hooping in all these places around the country. And, you know, I, I, we, we've lived very similar lives. But uh, we've talked on Slam. We've talked on New York Post for Big Apple Buckets. And I figure right now is the best to talk MJ, and it's a great talk, man. He's a very intellectual guy, and uh, I just love his hoops mind, man. So, um, uh, you know what we do at this time. Emilio, please, 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 please hit the fucking music. Marlo, what's going on, family? What's good? What's good, man? How you feeling? Thanks for having me, man. Of course, bro. Of course, man. So usually, usually we pre-tape these things and we, uh, you know, release the video like the day after and and do all that shit. But I figured everybody's on the timeline. Everybody's talking shit. Everybody's watching this uh, Jordan documentary part five and six. And uh, I figured, you know what? Let's just let's let's just go live. Fuck it. Let's just let's just make this shit happen. I'm about it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time, next time we'll do a better, you know, uh, the whole shit where we have the promotions and the cards and all that shit. So shout out to all y'all. So yeah, basically, bro, tonight's episode, I, I'm obviously, have you been following the documentary all week long, all, all month long with the, with the, with the last dance? Yes, sir. I have, man. I've been, I've been locked in like everybody else. I mean, I actually like, so everyone was watching them live. And I caught up all at once because okay. sometimes when people are like tweeting things all at once, I have this like general disdain towards like, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm yeah. like, this about to be some bullshit. Fuck that. So, um, so that's how, that's how we're born though, right? Like we're, we're yeah. like, we're like legitimate skeptics about everything, but this is the one thing everybody is easily hyped for, right? I'm hyped, bro. It's been so much fun, man. It's, it's honestly hard for, uh, TV shows to keep my attention these days, but I'm locked in and me and my pop's been sharing it together and, you know, he remembers it. Uh, all my, all my Jordan arguments really are like me funneling the shit he's told to me right into, you know so so it's been fun man not me so you hooped back in the day obviously you bet you hooped around new york and we've we've talked hoops many times but with you i mean like your 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 age bracket just a little bit slightly behind like the the the, the end of michael jordan's prime so you didn't really get to see mj in his glory like today's episode where his last all-star game in New York City where he's going up against Kobe Bryant when he's going up against you know uh he, he's he's rounding into that third straight three-peat um tell me a little bit about you know how today's first episode kicked off 
with uh, obviously, you know, Kobe Bryant, who we lost earlier this year. And even back then, just seeing all those all-stars, your Tim Hardaway's, your Glenn Rice's, all these guys saying, like, yo, that, that kid from the Lakers, he's coming. You yo, know what I mean? Yo, so, man, like, I'm not going to lie. I had a couple beers in me, and that I was really tearing up, like, when Kobe was on there talking because it's so weird to see uh, something, like, we've never seen that soundbite before. Right. You know what I mean? And so it was like something new from him and that realization that we're not going to get any new things from him anymore. Like, you know, and, and I, and I also just kept saying to my dad, I was just like, yo, I hope he got to see this because yeah. you know, it's like, that would have meant so much to him that when he was 19, his first all game, they was all talking about him. They was all checking for him. And he even said in the interview, he was like, you know, I was just nobody coming in. I was just the kid that shot the two air balls. Uh, and it was like, nah, bro, they was fucking with you. Like, they, they knew were, who you was. They, they knew, knew what like, was you know, up. Like, was coming. I wish he got, I hope he got to see that before he passed, man. I hope so too, man. And, and it's kind of, it was almost like he was talking to us from like, be, I don't want to say beyond the grave, but like, it kind of felt like that a little bit because, you know, like, with everything that happened in the past two months and, you know, even before that with Kobe's passing, it felt like we were getting so much Kobe overload with, you know, not overload, but just with everything going on, you just had to, you, we were thirsty. We were super thirsty for any sort of Kobe content. So to see that tonight was so, you know, just, just gripping to me. So I would just like to ask you, I mean, like, obviously we got, you know, Kobe and, and saying, you know, oh, you could take Mike one-on-one, you could beat him one-on-one. But he went out of his way to be like, yo, listen, there's no five championships without MJ. I patterned everything around MJ. And I remember at the funeral, he spoke a little bit about um, how close they were as far as, like, older brother, younger brother type of things. And we didn't really get to see that when Kobe was alive. But now that this is kind of coming out and seeing, like, the uh, the relationship that Kobe and MJ had, what are your thoughts on that? I think I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, like the more you watch, I mean, for me, every time I go back and watch clips of MJ, I'm like, yo, that's Kobe. Yeah. Because because the mannerisms, like the just the interviews and the mannerisms, it's like, yo, that's bugged out. Like this guy really was watching him crazy. Um, but we can all relate to that. I mean, like I emulated a bunch of older people that people see stuff and they think that's Marlon Kraft, but that's like the older homie from my block that you never met that I was trying to be like, you know what I mean? The difference is this is just on the, on the national stage. So it's, I thought it was a beautiful thing. It was relatable. And, and I also thought it was just ill how like, because I find this in uh, my own game a lot where guys are kind of uh, like older guys can be kind of uh, territorial Right, And that's in anything that's competitive. But I thought it was so ill how he said, like, uh, MJ told him, like, yo, if you never need anything, you know, give me a call. Um, And I just thought that was special because to me, like the height of that greatness and competitiveness is knowing that, like, yo, I want to see you do good because I feel like no matter how good you get, you're not going to fuck with me. So I just want (laughs) to see you win. You know what I mean? And, And that was ill. I thought that was ill. I mean, there's a small part of me, like, just watching that documentary and seeing the kind of tone that Mike carried. And obviously, this was recorded, you know, when when Kobe was still alive. But you kind of feel like every time MJ brought up, you know, when somebody brought up Clyde Drexler to MJ, when somebody brought up uh, James Worthy to MJ, somebody, anybody who he felt was a constituent or somebody that was, you know, coming after him, he made no bones about being like, yo, I'm a I'm going to kill him. I'm going to bust yeah. his ass. Like he can't he can't hold a candle to me. And if you notice during the whole Kobe part, you didn't hear a word from Mike. You just saw Mike stuff from back then, and you didn't hear nothing from him present day. And then you just saw, obviously, the Kobe uh, soundbite. 
Yeah. Do you think MJ was talking that shit about Kobe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, MJ, first of all, MJ is talking that shit about everybody. Like, you know, it's it's just, it's wild. Like, you see how much that was him. Like, he was talking that shit to the guards right. at, at, at in Chicago. He was talking that shit to Jerry Krause nonstop. Oh, he had unlimited God. short jokes. It was mad uh, shades of Will Smith on Fresh Prince. <laughs> unlimited short jokes. Uh, but, man, that shit, yeah, definitely, definitely. I felt for – I honestly started to feel for Jerry Krause after a while because, you know, l- later in the episode, uh, they go into the Dream Team, right? And, you know, the Dream Team, obviously, the, one of the greatest – pieces of, of of team sports or athletic achievement ever put together at one time ever, right? And during the midst of this whole thing, Jerry Krause goes out and finds a, a young Tony Kukoc who, you know, granted, if he's on any other basketball team, he probably is is the future of basketball. You got to remember this guy's 6'10", yeah. European, left-handed, could shoot it. Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of, like, you know, uh, for people who may not have watched him, a lot of Luka Doncic in his game. Just very, you know, European. And, and MJ and Scotty beat the piss out of this dude. <laughs> like, OD. Nah, they OD. I remember, uh, who was it in the in the doc that was just, uh, I think it was David Aldridge or mm. somebody there that was like, Man, that was just unfit. They didn't have to do him like that. Oh no, it was Wilbon, I think. It, it was, was like Wilbon, it was, yeah. like, it was, I was out of pocket. Like they didn't have to do him like that. <laughs> That's so sad, bro. Like and and, it, and it's and on top of that being sad, it's like in any other era of 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 sports, Jerry Krause gets hailed as being like one of the greatest GMs ever. Not only do you have Dennis Rodman under control. You got the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. You find Scottie Pippen out of like central Arkansas where like nobody's ever come from. Uh, and you get Tony Kukoc in Croatia who's being called like the European Magic Johnson. And it's like if he was doing this now, that's like the equivalent of find, of, of like drafting KD uh finding Russell Westbrook, but instead of going to UCLA, he goes to like, you know, City College in New York. And then yeah, you find Luka Doncic in a hole in the wall overseas. Like that would make you like one of the greatest GMs ever. But MJ had to get these short jokes off. Yo, <laughs> first of all, shouts my man Dana Warner, who was my coach and my mentor in middle school, and won I believe two city championships with uh, City College. So I gotta get that in right now because you just City College up. is no joke. I wasn't trying to hate. I was no, trying no, to hate. no, 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 no. Okay, he played at a. Uh, Manhattan Center, too, with my man Aki that grew up in my building that coaches, I believe, Howard now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to say because it, just going off the documentary, I, I'm honestly like, man, fuck Jerry Krause. <laughs> like, I feel like it's, it's interesting because he was never a player. Because I, I remember, like, with those Pistons teams that I grew up watching, like, Dumars was getting his credit, yeah. but he didn't need the ego thing. Because he had already been a player and he had his roses. And I feel like it's clear that when they, like, Kraus, he keeps trying to say, like, the most, the thing that hit me the most today was after they won uh, the second championship. It's like right after they won, they're in the locker room, they're interviewing him, and he's basically, like, trying to take it away from the team. Like, this is a good team, but it's really about the organization. It's like, man, if you were, um, like, if you had confidence for yourself, even even if that's true, 
you know, like a wise man knows, you know what I'm saying? Like Phil wasn't coming in being like, well, this is all because I'm cool. It wasn't until he came to us, they became a fucking complete <laughs> quack job. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, so I, I felt like there was this need and desire from him that just got in the way of, of a lot of stuff, man. It, it was, it's interesting to watch. Also, it's like, I don't know, man, it might be a reach, but it was like every time it's like, He's got the best player in the history of the world on his team. Right. He's got Pippen. He's got whatever. The guy he really loves is Tony Kukoc. The other guy he really loves is Thunder Dan. I'm right. starting to draw a parallel here. Right. I'm starting to draw a pattern here. You know he's what I'm got, saying? He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to groom Tim Floyd to be the next guy. Yeah, right. right. I'm sorry. I'm like, I think, that's a pattern I think here. he has a type. But honestly, if, you, if you're if you him, you know what I mean? Like, anytime you see Michael Jordan, he's calling you a short, fat fuck. And like, yeah, yeah, saying yeah. Like, <laughs> nah, fair, like, fair, fair. No yeah. one likes a bully, bro. Like, you, you see that shit after, like, now we're getting into episodes at the beginning. It was funny. And now mm-hmm. you're like. All right, Mike, which came first? Because you're really violating him every time. You fucking every see. fucking like, time. Like, that yeah. was the one thing I started. That was, I mean, I, I started seeing, like, some comments about today's episode where they're just like, you know, this episode kind of drug a little bit, and it, it kind of went a little slow, and it kind of made me want more, and probably wanted more from Kobe and all this other stuff. But I really enjoyed these episodes because we, we're finally starting to see, like, the dark side of Michael Jordan, right? Like the first couple of episodes, like, wow, remember how great this was? Remember when everything was fun and easy and Air Jordans and, yeah. and, and, and the rookie and all this type of stuff. Now we're getting into like the not so great parts of Mike. Like at first it was like, okay, he's a super competitive guy, but now it's like, all right, this motherfucker really might be a sociopath. And then it's yeah. like, okay, like he really might have a gambling problem. So like now we're at the point where, MJ and his gambling habits and his issues and, and not being perfect yeah. is, is starting to really uh, show up to the limelight. And he said something that was really poignant. He said, if I got the chance to do it over, I wouldn't want to be a role model because it's an impossible standard to live up to. And I agree with them. What were your thoughts on that, man? I mean, I think it's a fair thing for him to feel, but I just don't think you could say it's impossible because you point to a guy like, LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? And look, I mean, you know, I know, I know the LeBron, the LeBron fans were, were waving the flag as soon as yeah, that part and came I'm, I'm an MJ. I find myself in the midst of wild millennial arguments where I'm trying to defend. I mean, and you see now with the numbers where it's like, yo, bro, it's come on, man. Look at what MJ was doing. Like, I'm always the MJ, like defending MJ, whatever. But when it comes to when it comes to uh, being a man and a role model, uh, but he was the first one to deal with that type of pressure. Right. And also, I think what's bullshit a lot is you have all these people that want to see themselves as a corporation, as a business, and their motive is just to maximize profit at all costs. Mm. But then he is the same thing worth a lot. And then, and then when he wants to do stuff like that, it's it's the classic thing of like he didn't want to wear Reebok on his thing. So he's being like difficult. It's like, bro, none of y'all corporations would promote another brand or corporation that went against your bottom line or your interests ever and we're supposed to just take that and why because he's an athlete or because you know like so you know what i'm saying it don't make no sense so and that's kind of what bothered me about uh, that whole part too he was just kind of saying like well you know um when i was playing like i didn't really have to do much because everything i did was on the court and i gave myself on the court and you know if if i averaged two points and three rebounds a game nobody would care to buy any sneakers 
But at the same time, like we watch you going into Barcelona and saying like, yo, I'm not wearing those Reebok jackets. You'll see what I do. And da, 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 da. it's like, that seems like somebody who's, you know, like we're not stupid. Like I'm not stupid. And, right. and, and, I, and I understand where he's coming from. Nobody really asked him to be a role model. It was just kind of like thrust upon him because right. he was this, this, you know, he was this guy that was going to carry the league into the new generation. And now it's at the point where it's like, Especially you got cameras following around every fucking day, and you know you kind of started to see how it started to wear on him, and uh, you could see like the real Michael Jordan finally come out after these like first five or six episodes. You saw a little bit of it during the Bad Boys era and the Pistons era, and see what he really thought about Isaiah Thomas. But now we're getting into like the nitty gritty of like, okay, like he's a great athlete, great basketball player, but like he probably. He, he, he kind of sold out his people a little bit when it came to uh, being the de- uh, supporting the Democratic nominee in North Carolina and say, "Oh, the Republicans buy shoes." Also, that, that was the corniest moment to me, man. Oh like, my gosh, people because, still let him live that down. Because, because here's the thing that was the corniest about, and this is where you see he is an addict to mm. his competitive nature. Because even now, all these years later, he couldn't just say, "Yeah, you know what." Like I was trying to figure it out and, and I, I fucked up or or if I had it back to do differently, I might change it or whatever. He still had to like justify because he has to win. He has mm-hmm. to win everything. He can't take the L. Mm-hmm. And that that to me was really whack because it wasn't just like a Democrat versus Republican thing. The, I forget the, the cat's name, the Republican, but the stuff that he was standing on was like segregation of the schools. And at the end is like they're not smiling in Mudville tonight. And it's like if you can't just say, yo, I'm anti that I'm throwing my weight behind that. Right. Um, it, you know, and then and then all these years later, you still can't apologize for it. It's or or not even apologize, but just consider any type of like like L on that. And yeah, that, that, that was rough. I mean, you can rough. see you can even see it in his body language for a while too. Like once he started, he was like, "I don't have, I don't, I don't like have no gambling problems." And da 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 da. And then like a couple of weeks later, going into I want to say the conference finals against the Knicks. And we'll get into some more Knicks talk after that. He does an interview with the modern shot with sunglasses on. And he's basically saying like, yo man, like if I was a gambling addict, I'd be trying to pawn off watches and pawn off this. I'm like, first off, Anybody that writes a check for for fifty seven thousand dollars to a nigga with a Jerry curl named Slick <laughs> clearly has a fucking problem. Right? Like you one thousand percent have a problem. So yeah. and, and to this day, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I think his competitive nature is so severe that he can't even bring himself to say like, "Yo, I I'm taking the out." Okay, like I might have had an issue. You know, maybe. The gambling was something that helped me take my mind off the stress of being like the most popular athlete in the world. And it's not like that anymore. Like he couldn't even say that to this day. Yeah. Couldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, we deify people like, you know, it's like the problem is what's hard is when people have extreme skills or they're uniquely great in a way, it always balances out. And there's parts of that, that, are like we we revered him and he was getting all this acclaim and praise for that same crazy competitiveness right. and that same thing and i deal with this as an artist in my early days too like with people that don't understand you know it's like uh i'm obsessive about getting better at my crap not compare myself to mj but i'm cons- obsessive you know and i have a lot of anxiety and i write about that in my music and i do all that stuff and sometimes when that stuff comes out negatively friends or people around me they get frustrated and i'm like yo you got you don't understand this is the same thing you love about me Mm-hmm. It just has two sides to it, and 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 it can be really confusing 
when you're getting all this praise and adoration and accolade for to you to what in your mind is one thing it's singular but people see it as 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 different so you know i i, I empathize with a degree you know for to, to that but you know, at the end of the day, it's like it's there. Definitely, you can see there's no love lost between him and his ego at this point in his life. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 still it's still there. Word. And we got to the end of the second episode, and uh, you know, it got a little painful and for us because man, I'm watching those those '93 Knicks. Those rough and tumble Knicks, you know. What I mean, we didn't even. First off, they completely curved us on the John Starks dunk. I was waiting for that the whole uh, all week. I'm like, because you know, I, I, we got the link and we got the leak for this shit. I'm like, I'm gonna be patient. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch the leak version of it. I'm gonna yeah. watch this with the timeline and enjoy it like I'm supposed to. But fuck, like we didn't even talk about the dunk, and we see that the Knicks went up two zero, and MJ was in Atlantic City, probably gambling his life away. <laughs> And the Knicks, you know, we get Smith stop, stop, Smith, Smith stopped again. Thankfully, we were blessed with not to see Patrick Ewing miss the finger roll again. Yeah. Well, holy hell, as a fellow Knicks fan, Marla, how hard was it to watch that part? Well, first of all, you see I'm here with the Knicks blue. I see. I the green when I came on before we started. I said, nah, I'm not, I can't do this. I have to go Knicks blue. <laughs> I should have threw the jersey on. But, I mean, on, to be totally honest, it was just nice to watch a Knicks team on my television that oh, played with gumption and, and passion and, and fought really hard. So I wasn't that depressed. I was kind of hyped. I was like, yeah, man, you know, those games. Were, but it's tough, man. It's like I wish we could have got one of those series, man, just one. Just one. one of those, man, especially go up 2-0, man. And, yeah. oh, boy, I was – to this day, I, I have, like, a very vivid memory. Like, my, my earliest Nick memory before – the uh, Reggie Miller scoring like nine points in however many seconds he did it. My second most vivid memory is watching my mom yell at the TV as Charles Smith could not finish a fucking layup <laughs> right underneath the goddamn hoop, yo. Like, I, I and that's I think that's where like my Knicks pain started. Like, because I've never seen my mom get that angry at anything before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She lost her her goddamn shit. Um, so the end of the uh, episode, we we, we kind of get to the exhaustion of being Michael Jordan, and you know him not even really being happy at the end of the three P. He just kind of looked like exhausted and relieved that it was over, and ready to just kind of like get out of the, get out of everything. And, and and obviously, anybody who knows Michael Jordan's history knows that like right after this, it gets it gets pretty dark when it comes to you know, the loss of his father and retirement and playing baseball and all this type of stuff. Tell me your thoughts on, uh, you know, that that last first last run with Michael Jordan uh, and, you know, the the whole subsequent retirement that happened afterwards. That was very, very uh, controversial. I mean, so I think I think I mean, first of all, you know, it was incredible. And you've seen, you know, in an era where for, like watching those Knicks highlights, you know, it's like 
just watching some of the fouls and thinking <laughs> about how they play now. The regular play on fouls, too. Like Play on. Like, and, and Hubert uh, Davis is running to the rim. He gets chucked into the stands. Yeah, yeah. He's holding and, his head and just like, oh, okay. And motherfuckers like, get up. it's like, and this is the best player in the world, like face of the NBA, and they're like throwing him like, you know, across the room. So, you know, I kind of like, you, you see, and the numbers he was putting up, you know, fucking averaging 40 in the finals against Barkley. And then, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. So, I mean, you know, I think it speaks to his greatness. And I'm really glad they're doing this now, too, because I find myself, like you said, we were at the tail end. And I find myself a lot of friends that, you know, in the LeBron, Michael, whatever, like, we won't get into that. But but at least I find their Jordan stances uninformed. So right. I, I'm I'm happy that they're getting to watch that everyone's getting to watch this now. But I think, you know, what's crazy is I mean, yo, know, six championships, he took those two years off, you know, or a year and a half off. Mm-hmm. And and th- I mean, there's nothing to say that they couldn't basically when he played the full season, six times in a row he played a full season, mm-hmm. uh, they won. And I think I was thinking to myself today as I watched the end of the last episode on how he was really spent. And it was kind of like a relief after they won that last thing. Um, how when you're at that level of greatness of output that you need to take steps back and you need rest time. One of the things I think players get hurt all the time now more often is because these guys don't chill in the off season. Mm-hmm. They'd be like working out five days after the off season, like, yo, da, da, da. And I'm like, that's cool for like the American capitalist narrative fan, but you about to break your ankle. <laughs> In like four months. So, so like, you know, like I think um, that that is what I find so amazing about like that off time is that, you know, like it, I think it speaks to something in that like greatness is not all about going a million percent all the time, sometimes about stepping back so that you can go forward. And uh, it's, it's, it's great, especially, you know, we talk about all this stuff with like mental health. And that's a big part of what I talk right. about and all these things. And back then, there, nobody was talking about that. And the biggest player in the world said, yo, I'm, I'm stepping away because that's what I have to do for me. I think that's kind of I'm excited to see these next episodes because I think that's a lost narrative that I've, I haven't really explored or seen explored with MJ. So I'm, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, I feel like that's something that I don't think a lot of people have gotten to see that side of Mike because part of me. When you come to uh, I, when you see somebody just that dedicated and that driven and that much of a perfectionist, sort of like a supernova or a star or something that burns out, like it could burn out too quickly. Like you, like if he didn't take that retirement, who's to say that you know he even comes back and is half the player that he was? Like we've seen players be great at just such small amounts of time and and burn themselves out so quickly mm-hmm. that they just never recover. So, I mean, like, when it comes to that, man, and and I'm, I'm going to get into some Charles Barkley stuff later, but <laughs> when it comes to, to MJ and being able to really kind of hone in and say, look, basketball is my life, but, you know, I'm dealing with all this media shit. I'm dealing with all these people talking about, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gambling addict. I'm going to Atlantic City. Not only do I got to see all these kids and do Make-A-Wish stuff, I got to, you know, as soon as I step out of the house, I'm hounded. When I get to the uh, locker room, I'm hounded. I got to do press. Oh, and on top of that, I got to be the best player in the world, lead a team, you know, go to the championship, all that type of shit. At what point does all of that just kind of break somebody, even somebody who doesn't even have a, a quarter 
of that much responsibility, man. Like, yeah, at what point yeah. does does that sort of break somebody? And at what point does that sort of sociopathic, like, psychotic behavior that's driven him to greatness sort of be the thing that ends up saving his life? Right. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's like, you know, I'm at the the early stages of, of my career in, in a lot of ways. And, like, you know, for me, when I go do a headline show, and it's like, you know, maybe 200 people, 300 people, depending where it is in the country, whatever. You know, it's there's a realization like, yo, if I like have to have diarrhea or some shit and can't do this, 200 people are fucking going to be devastated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're yeah. here for me. Now take that, make it the whole city of Chicago. Now make it the whole basketball loving world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Every single day. And no matter how much money you're making, you know, that pressure, like we just at the very least, we can't pretend to know what it's like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So so it has to be just just crazy, man. Like, I, I, I can't even begin to imagine. And it's funny because I was talking to my dad after the show. My dad said something um, was like, yo, imagine today with like the social media and all that. And I said, you know, actually, I think it might have been a little easier because at least players now can control a narrative. Like they can speak directly to the general public. They could go fire off a tweet like, yo, this reporter is a dickhead. This never happened. This isn't true. Whereas with Mike, he was pretty much anytime anything got to the masses, it was filtered through the media. Yeah, so I mean, at, the, at some point you, you see Michael dragging Scotty out of the locker room, beeping the the bus, telling him, you know, not to talk yeah. to the media and all this type of shit. And, yeah. and you know, when it comes to that type of stuff, right now we live in a time where you're right, an athlete probably has the most control over media than they've ever had. Like LeBron literally has his own goddamn media network. You got, you know, uh, every, every any athlete who wants to get a message out doesn't need to wait for a reporter to come up to him after a game at a press conference. Doesn't need to have somebody run up to him TMZ style and stick a camera in their face. Like they can really control the narrative. And at the same time, the 90s, when it comes to the media and celebrity, there's a lot of things that can be taken away as far as, like, how the media just looks at treating people. I mean, like, you got you to think about this. The 90s, for, mo- for the most part, took away Princess Diana, uh, probably drove Michael Jordan away from basketball for a couple of years, mm-hmm. made, like, Michael Jackson go nuts. Yeah. Like made Prince change his name. Like the media was not usually your friend, especially if you were these uber powerful celebrities. And now, you know, you, 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 we're at a time where MJ says this at the very end of the doc where, you know, I wasn't really trying to be a role model. And if I could really just kind of go back and, and do it over and, and just kind of, you know, be more of a recluse, so I don't have to be out there all the fucking time. I would have done it. And I think that's what leads to the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, man. I mean, it's like, you know, I can't I can't even begin to imagine. It was a completely different climate with media in general. And and I could see how so much resentment could build up because it's like the, they start the whole series. It's like he built the league. Like there was yeah. this one comment that they said in the thing where they were like, Michael was asking for 12 to 20 uh, tickets a night. You know how many cops I get when I fill up a venue that holds 300 people? <laughs> I got like 20 cops. Like, yeah. but my man, my man, would you rather him not play and you lose 10,000 sales? Like, oh, what God. are you, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, what that, and if I'm him, I'm just like, man, fuck y'all. Like, you know what I mean? So it's hard to, it's hard, man. 
It's super hard. And, then, and before we get off the subject, I would just love to throw some Draymond slander in there because ah. it's always good to get some Draymond slander in there. <laughs> yes, I, I think a lot of people really, really, and I love that, you know, we got to see that. A lot of people really, really tend to sleep on prime Charles Barkley just because we're all just so used to media Charles and just how funny and engaging and how great he is at what he does now. A lot of people forget Charles Barkley was a fucking dog, bro. And to keep hearing these, like, you know, Draymond taking shots and saying he's jealous of his success, I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, Barkley's going toe-to-toe with the GOAT as the reigning defending MVP. What are your thoughts on the current Barkley, Draymond Green, uh, I guess, feud that's been happening over the past couple years now? Well, I mean, first of all, it's funny because my my dad said the exact same thing, man. He was like, man, listen, I'm glad people are seeing this because, you know, Charles has maybe become – he's been clowning lately and people don't really see him, for. but he was a motherfucking beast. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I actually – I'm a Draymond fan. I like the way he plays. I I, I like Draymond. I I, I like Draymond. I think he's a great player. I think he is a guy who, who, you know, on most teams, he starts and helps a lot. But I yeah. think on this team, on this Warriors team, the, the yeah, lot of, yeah. a lot of shit gets swelled up. Well, it's getting proved this year. He's getting exposed a little bit. You have to be <laughs> fair. Like, because he's not, you know, you're supposed to be Hall of Famer, whatever, whatever. You're not killing. Like, the team sucks and you're not killing. So it's like, I mean, that that's fair. But I think I, I think it's funny because obviously all those things that if he's coming at Charles are, are, not, are not founded in reality. But – I just think it's funny because they're both – it's like two people that are kind of alike, so they'd be button heads because they would say the same shit to each other, I feel like. You know, like, I feel like you got to feel like if Charles Barkley was less skilled, he would still talk the same amount of shit. Right. Like, that's how – you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, he definitely seems like – you know, Draymond and Barkley remind me of, like – you ever watch Coming to America? <laughs> yeah, of the course. Fucking, <laughs> the fucking guys in the barbershop that just can't stand each other. Like, yeah, why do you always yeah. call- why do you always give each other so much energy? Why do you talk to each other? Because they're yeah. the same. Yeah. They're the same t- type of person. So that's the that's my favorite uh, Eddie shit where he plays the Jewish guy. <laughs> Taste the soup. Oh, Marlon. So you went on tour this year, man, for the Funhouse Mirror album, which came out in 2019. Thank you for the halal, by the way. I still have the shirts and the merch. So yes, very, sir. very New York of you. Yes, um, you spoke a lot this uh, this this podcast about you know just touring and being able to you know see and touch each and every one of your fans um the difference between you know making music you know before and now you're just like getting out there and performing it live what has that been like for you especially this year man it's been incredible and i mean you know there's nothing like i pride myself in in my live performance and there's nothing like performing live to a room of people i mean that same kind of pressure that i described is what makes it so fulfilling. I mean, you know how it is when you got a big game or some shit. It's like mm-hmm. those nerves are what makes it when you kill or when 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 you guys win. It will make, it's what makes it so special. And um, I mean, it, it, you know, it's amazing to to really see in real life. You know, the internet feedback is is amazing too. But you know, when people are like there in your face talking about what your music means to them, um, it just puts it all in perspective. And it's tough now, obviously, because, you know, I was trying to build a career around touring because uh, that's where really where the longevity is in this game. And it looks like touring, as we know it, is not going to be uh, back in style anytime soon. Um, so I'm trying to find new ways to connect with fans uh, online and, and just, 
you know, building the things, getting ready for whenever that time comes back. I'm going to cherish it even more than I did before. You know what I mean? How you been, how you been doing that right now? I know there's, you know, there's live streams, there's Twitches, there's, there's all types of stuff. Like what are some of the things that you've figured out you've been able to do to kind of keep yourself occupied while we figure out how we're going to enjoy live music for the near future? So one thing I've been doing is having these craft happy hours once a week. We select uh, like between 25 and 40 fans, like diehard fans, um, you know, different ones every week to come in a Zoom chat with me. And right. we go on Zoom and I have them all on Zoom and I play new music and we chop it up and we kick it, um, which has been really, really dope. Um, we've got this work week initiative that we're going to go on the week of the 18th. We're going to announce soon where ours, which is kind of like my community engagement uh, nonprofit wing of what I do. We have a grant that we're going to be donating to relief efforts, but then we're going to be organizing all of this online Instagram live uh, content. We're actually going to be uh, these different events and stuff, but we're actually going to be creating art and collecting with a goal of 365 pieces of art with the idea being that times like these art has value and we want to encourage people to create and make things for the times. And the goal being that we're going to be able to post one a day for the next year. So we're going to be doing that as a whole movement for a week. And then, man, like I dove right in and I made, I had a whole project. I pushed it back because uh, it didn't really fit the mood of what's going on right now. And I dug in and I made a whole EP catered to what the feelings are of right now. It's called Work From Home. Mm. And um, hopefully it's going to drop the first week of June, just tying up all the loose ends now. Um, so I've been I've been going ham, man, because, you know, music and, and going after this thing are what keeps me sane. And I mean... You know, I had, I mean, it's just funny, like, I feel like I had this line that I wrote yesterday and some shit that I wrote, nobody better steal it off this shit. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I feel like Jordan before he beat the Pistons playing for his cheapest Pippin. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how, mm. that's how I feel right now. I mean, and I, I was really close to passing a certain hurdle in my career and I still am. And so I just refuse to be held up, uh, to be, to be stopped by this. And, and so I'm just going after it 10 times as hard, you know? Well, Marlon, you're, you're, you're somebody whose who's talent I followed for a long time. And outside of being a hoops head and, and a hip hop head, you're just a guy I just really like. And, uh, you, you too, know, man. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, one thing that really, really put you on the map for a lot of people who may not have been checking for you, but was checking for you afterwards was that funk flex freestyle that you, you murdered on Instagram and on Hot 97. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how your life has changed specifically right after that freestyle. Um, I think that freestyle, you know, it put me on the map. I think a lot of people had been hearing about me right. and kind of didn't want to deal with me. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it was kind of uh, like, especially if you are just a very surface level, uh, you're just kind of like, yeah, all right. Like, I'm going to wait till I have to pay attention to this. Kid. Right, right. And when you go on Flex, it's a, pl a platform that you have to pay attention to. And, you know, what I what I did on there, you have to pay attention to. And uh, so I think it put me on a lot of people's radar in, like, a real way. And it also kind of, like, for the people that have been championing me and paying attention, was kind of a, like, we, look, we've been, we've been on this moment. And uh, also it just got me a lot of questions about, like, it was really cool, like, like, you know, he asked me about my anxiety at the end, and that was kind of like the story of the freestyle. And, and so everyone was asking me these questions, right. uh, like kind of leaping to my defense, like, yo, why did it? And uh, that was kind of funny and cool to watch because I just realized I had uh, a lot more people fucking with me than, than I even realized, you know what I mean? 
Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. And and I I'd be I'd be remiss if I don't ask you the the typical white rapper questions that you gotta ask all white guys. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave, right? So like, I really got into. Did you watch the show on FX? I haven't. I haven't yet. I gotta oh, check it man. out. It is. It's 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 really dope. And you know, there, I feel like outside of you know. You guys are very different, very, very different yeah. people. But obviously the, the story of rap careers and rap life, you know, are very parallel. You got Young Thug in there, YG, uh, Taco, a bunch of, bunch of very, you know, influential, famous rappers on there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of the stories on there, which I, I would love to ask you about, is just being sure about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, right. and it sounds very easy to say. But the one thing that has really driven him away from a lot of his friends, and I want to ask you about this as well, is that, you know, a lot of times you got to be your own biggest fan. And with your anxiety and with, you know, everything you kind of got to deal with, especially with these new hurdles, as far as, uh, you know, when you'll be able to tour again and putting out new music and all this type of stuff, how much does self-confidence and being assured of yourself and everything you do have to factor in? to what you're putting out going forward? Uh, so much, man. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, like, I mean, you know how it is as a hooper. I mean, one of right. the things that makes basketball an amazing game is, you know, baseball, it's your turn to be up. You go up, he three pitches the ball at you, you take a swing, you hit it or you don't, whatever, or it comes to you, whatever. In basketball, mm. like, if you're timid or unsure, you just won't, you will not perform. You won't do shit. You have to be aggressive. You have to be confident. It's a must. Um, and rap is the same way. And especially when you are a white person, you know, in, in, in an arena that's a black culture, you have to be sure what you're doing. Uh, and that into and then I think uh, th- that you're making a positive contribution and you're making an honest effort to give more than than you take. And it's funny because it's like you say, like, I have to ask the white rapper questions ever. I don't think people ask them that much. <laughs> I, I, I be watching these other interviews. I don't yeah. watch people get asked shit. I watch a bunch of passes being given around by uh, people like me that are actually like spitting about real shit and really trying to um, really trying to do real shit yeah. uh, get grilled. And I think it's because I'm trying to uh, do real stuff, trying to be a student of the game, trying to be aware of my whiteness in this space and how I can contribute and not be corny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I think that it's like, all right, let's really. You know, it's 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 some in some ways. Like I appreciate the questions, and and when it gets brought up to a degree, I think what I aspire to is reaching a point where I'm just Marlin, and everyone right. gets it, and no longer is is about that. But I, I you know, I, I think like a lot of times, man, I just see pa- like hall passes just given out uh, like crazy, and uh, I, I gotta watch the Dave show. Like I, I gotta check that out. I haven't I haven't peeped it yet. Yeah, it's funny um, I, as shit, man. It's funny as shit, but it, I think it's 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 very well written, very good show. You know what I mean? Not even just about like, oh, you know, he's a white, you know, comic rapper, or whatever. But like, it's there's some shit that deals with mental health. There's some shit that. But that's what it's about. It's about like it's about like him being white and rap. No, no. I mean, it's it's mostly just about like it, it's. It gives me a lot of like curb vibes, where it's like you know he plays himself. And, like, it's not like he's, like, some nobody trying to make it. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, but right. on top of that, like, there's this whole other world that's going on where it's, like, you know, the first episode, like, he runs into YG in the studio and, like, freestyles and tries to, like, you know, get his attention. And that goes viral. And then that goes to, you know, him hiring his boy to be his hype man. But his hype man isn't really, like, 
this he's just kind of a fake it till you make it type of dude. Then it finds out he's bipolar, and there's a whole story about his bipolar, him being bipolar, and then how we got there, and then like his it's it's a really good show. Like I, I don't yeah. I don't re- I don't recommend a shit ton of TV shows. I watch like sports almost all the time, and now that we, we don't really have much of that, yeah, yeah. like I I, I definitely. Think you could you'd really get a kick out of that show? Yeah, I gotta peep so that. I gotta peep that, man. Absolutely, bro. But Marlon, man, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You are absolutely one of my favorite new artists, and uh, I always I always feel like I get a feeling with some of these people where it's like I'm gonna know them right now because I know in a few months or a year or something I'm gonna have to do the whole publicist get to get in touch with you. Hey, hey. <laughs> listen. First of all, I appreciate the compliment, but second. <laughs> Second of all, second of all, never that with me, man. Never that. Yeah. If I if I don't respond, it's because you don't have the right line on me, man. <laughs> I got you. And I and and all jokes aside, I really do appreciate it, man. Because you know it it it, it is hard to get people to to stand next to me in this game and stand next to anybody before uh before you can put a lot of money in somebody's pocket or you really the guy that everybody's trying to get to. And so I appreciate you just. Just recognizing whatever it is that you fuck with me and just being consistent on that. Uh, and I won't forget it, man. I, it's always love. And I, I love talking hoops all the time. Anytime I get an excuse to talk hoops, it's, it's love. So you already know, man. I appreciate it. You already know, man. When, once they reopen the garden, we're going to go catch a game, bro. I have to. Sadly, we'll catch a game. I'll bring the got, tissues. I'll bring the tissues. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, work from home drops, I think, beginning in June. But yep. until then, you can go and check out Funhouse Mirror, which is out right now on all streaming platforms. Molly Craft, thank you so much for coming through to Say Less With Kaz. You already, man. Appreciate it, man. Much love. Yes, sir. Be safe, brother. You too. Peace, All peace. All right. Yes. And that is a wrap on today's episode of Say Less With Kaz. As always, you can download the episode on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate you. For all the folks watching me record this live on YouTube.com slash Kazim, I think I'm going to start doing this more often. I like this. I like just getting the rare, the raw feedback from whether it's 10 people, 20 people, 100 people. I don't give a fuck. I enjoy this shit. And if you want to be a part of that, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Kazim and go on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Kazim. We'll be back tomorrow like we do every Monday through Friday. And please wash your hands, clean your ass, and say less. Peace.